Du lyssnar på en podcast från Studentradio 98,9. Alla våra poddar och program hittar du på studentradion.com eller där poddar finns. to a new episode of Radio UF. My name is Melina Froidure and I study international humanitarian action here at Uppsala University. And with me in the studio today are... I'm Signa Andersson and I also I study peace and development studies. Yeah, and I'm Sara Ras and I study the same as Signe. Great, welcome, welcome everyone. So today we're delving into the obscure sides of globalization and human flaws with an episode focusing on human trafficking and more specifically on female sexual exploitation. We would just like to warn our audience that this episode is touching upon very important yet distressing topics. Mentions of rape and other forms of sexual violence will be made. We'd also like to inform our listeners that anytime we mention women and girls, we mean persons identifying as a woman or a girl. That does include trans women. All genders are affected by human trafficking and sexual exploitation, but today we decided to focus on women and girls um, because they are the most affected groups. But we'll be right back after the break. I just want to live in the booth while you destroy You just heard Free by Bakker on Studentarium Nitiota Kamenilla. We're Radio UF talking today about female sexual exploitation. And I'm just going to start off by giving a few definitions just so we're clear on what we're talking about. There are several definitions of human trafficking, but we've decided to adopt the one um, specified by the UN in its 2000s um, Palermo Protocol. So the UN talks about trafficking in person, but we'll keep the label human, human trafficking just, you know, not to get too specific. Um, so according to the UN's definition, human trafficking involves three main elements, the act, the means and the purpose. So the act is recruitment, transportation, transfer, harboring or receipt of persons. Then the means are threat of use of, or use of force, coercion, abduction, fraud, deception, abuse of power of vulnerability, or giving payments or benefits to a person in control of the victim. Finally, the purpose um, is, so the person is trafficked 
for the purpose of exploitation. So that includes um, exploiting the prostitution of others, sexual exploitation, forced labor, slavery or similar practices, and the removal of organs. So human trafficking is a certain act carried out by certain means for an exploitative purpose. There are several forms of human trafficking um, that are mostly divided into three categories, namely sexual exploitation, labor trafficking, and other forms which mostly include um, trafficking for the sale or removal of organs. Then, sexual exploitation entails um, commercial sexual exploitation, so what we commonly know as a um, you know, forced prostitution. But sexual exploitation is not only that. It can also be like forced marriage, child marriage, as well as sexual slavery. Um, sexual exploitation affects disproportionately uh, women and girls, and that's why we decided to focus on those groups. In order to understand human trafficking well, we have to understand what is going on in the so-called uh, source countries, transit countries, and destination countries. What usually happens is that poverty, conflict, poor infrastructure, lack of livelihood opportunities and other forms of, you know, like gendered, social, cultural exploitation, as well as political persecution, um, all that like pushes people to migrate or search in search of opportunities, uh, of like other opportunities. And that's usually where everything starts off. Um, we just like to flag that human trafficking in general and sexual exploitation more specifically are global phenomena occurring everywhere. Such issues are definitely not a like, low and mid middle income countries problem. Today, anyone can be a survivor of human trafficking regardless of ethnicity, nationality, gender, age or economic status. But Signe will delve more into the factors that underlie trafficking and like how a person can get trapped into that right after the break. So bear with us. You just heard Good Times by Sötnos on Student Radio Niteota Comania. We are Radio UF discussing today um, female sexu sexual exploitation. Thank you, Melina. Now we're going to address some questions to understand why people get trafficked for the purpose of sexual exploitation. I will start by sharing a story of a woman who was trafficked. When Luisa was 22 years old, she left her home in Uzbekistan and traveled to Kyrgyzstan with the hopes of finding work. However, without a Kyrgyz ID or a university degree, she struggled to find employment. When a woman offered her a waitressing job in the capital, she welcomed the opportunity. But things took, look, uh, took a turn for the worse after arriving to the capital. Luisa and some other women were held in an apartment, they were photographed and their passports were taken. All for the employment documents, they said. Then Luisa and the other worse, uh, women were put on a plane to Dubai handed fake passports uh, instead of the real ones and brought to an apartment after landing. They were to be sex, slave, sex slaves and to do whatever the client wanted, to earn at least 10,000 US dollars by the end of the month. For 18 months, her life was consumed by forced nightclub work, 
But upon leaving the club one evening, Luisa saw a police car approaching, and instead of running away, she stayed to let the police arrest her. She spent one year in jail. However, after being released from prison, Luisa was left to live on the streets, ashamed and unemployed. She went back to work in the sex industry until she was approached by an organization that assists women subjected to sex trafficking. Now she works to prevent the exact situation in which she found herself. You can read more about Lucia's story and, and her work to prevent human trafficking on unwomen.org. So who gets trafficked? The vast majority of detected trafficked victims are women and girls. Three out of four are trafficked for the purpose of sexual exploitation. And it's important to remember that human trafficking operates in the darkness, so it's difficult to get exact numbers of victims. It is most common to be women and girls who reside in political instability, enduring systemic racism, suffering from a mental disorder, undocumented workers or women living in poor socioeconomic situations, striving for a better job, home or life, just like Luisa did. There are also some contexts where these women and girls are even at higher risk of being trafficked. For example, in the context of armed conflicts, state collapse, weakening rule of law and impunity, forced displacement, humanitarian need and socioeconomic stress, social fragmentation and family breakdown are some factors increasing vulnerability to trafficking during armed conflict. To give an example, the presence of military personnel during the conflict uh, in the former Yugoslavia resulted in increase of trafficking for sexual exploitation. Another is the context of natural disasters. Uh, when natural disasters strike, families can lose their home, jobs and transportations all in an instant. The risk of being trafficked increases in the context where the life has been severely disordered, disordered uh, and where social structures and support uh, systems have collapsed and where poverty and vulnerability are a consequence. So how do women and girls fall into trafficking? Uh, the so-called traffickers, the people who unlawfully transport or coerces people in order to benefit from their work and services, they use the poor and exposed situa situation that the women and girls are in uh, for their advantage. The often already vulnerable women can by force, fraud uh, or coercion be trafficked. The traffickers use tactics uh, uh, like offering help after a natural disaster or losing a job opportunity that does not really exist. By taking advantage of girls traumatized by a disaster or conflict or by pretending to be a friend or a partner. There are so many ways of how these traffickers can lure women and girls into trafficking and break down their lives. So why do women and girls get trafficked? Because there is a demand. We cannot blame the situation of war, conflict, poverty and political instability. Trafficking exists because people are willing to buy other people to sexually exploit them. According to the International Labour Organization, there are over 40 million people um, that are victims of human trafficking and around 5 million persons in forced sexual exploitation. 
And this because even more people are willing to buy another person. Luisa's, uh, whose stories I told in the beginning, works today with preventing trafficking. She does not want anyone to experience what she did. She provides women with health and safety resources and information about legal aid. Luisa states uh, that to stop trafficking of women and girls, we have to inform people about the full consequence of human trafficking and how to detect the signs. It is critical to start raising awareness about this in school, starting young, so they don't uh, become victims or perpetrators. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, And a lot of scholars and activists say that much more work should be done on prevention because right mm -hmm. now like, a lot of emphasis is put on the sanctions, but less so is done on prevention. Yeah. That's super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But um, something I wonder about is... You know, within the group of women and girls, like if there are people who are particularly affected, but I think Sara is going to talk about that right after the break. You just heard Bittersweet by Laura on Student Radio Nitiota Comenia. We are Radio UF talking today about sexual exploitation. Yeah, thank you, Melina. So now we're going to address the issue of trans women and trafficking. Because often when we are addressing the issue of trafficking, it is very easy to just focus on cisgendered women. So now we have decided to bring light to trans women and trafficking. Even in this rare of womanhood, there is a hierarchy where women are being placed on a ladder due to different factors. This has placed trans women, trans women on the bottom. Trans women are a group of women who not only have faced difficulties in their lives figuring out who they are, but also faced the task of telling people who they are. This could be done at a young age or at an older age, and the reaction, the, and the reaction these women got can vary from supportive and happy to negative and discriminating. Due to the social norms that we have, being trans is not normatively accepted. So not only have to fear the reaction from your family, but also have to fear the reaction from society and other institutions, because sometimes trans people do not get the medical attention they need only because they are trans. As for an example, in Latin America, many people in the LGBTQ plus community is not getting the medical attention they need just because of who they are. Having said this, transgender women are not only marginalized within the sphere of womanhood, but it goes even further. Because if you are a trans woman of color, this puts you even further down the ladder I mentioned earlier. So facing these difficulties and having these setbacks in society, transgender women are even more vulnerable to those who want to hurt them. Exactly. And we recognize that trans women are the unseen victims of human trafficking that, uh, and that they are particularly vulnerable to trafficking. As mentioned earlier, women are at risk of being trafficked where there is instability, non-functioning institutions, weak safety nets and poverty. And because of the systemic dis discrimination of trans women, they are more likely to reside in a situation without rights, legal and social protection. Poor economic, uh, socioeconomic conditions, lack of healthcare, high employment rates and uh, housing instability. 
but also experience of physical and psychological abuse, sexual assault and emotional and mental distress common among trans women makes them vulnerable and easy targets for traffickers to recruit or more correctly to deceive and also easier to keep in the industry and market of trafficking. Traffickers can, for example, lure trans women by promising them health or body changing surgery and then overcharge them for illegal and risky procedures, pushing them further into depth uh, that must be paid by sex work. So what can be done to protect trans women and preventing them from being trafficked? It is important to protect gender identity under anti-discrimination laws, providing accessible and available housing opportunities, and making gender-affirming healthcare and service uh, provision the norm. But also, statistics on how many transgender people are trafficked simply do not exist. This makes it hard to argue that it is a problem that governments and uh, organizations must work with. For some, it's easier to look away and act like it's nothing. But for the trans women affected, something must change, starting with people like us talking about this issue. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I really like the emphasis that you're putting on like governments and organizations, be them from civil society, but also international organizations to do something. And that leads me to wonder, like, you know, if there's like big discrepancies in how uh, trafficking is like addressed in different mm -hmm. countries, but I think Sarah mm -hmm. is going to talk about that right after the break. Mm -hmm. That song was Killing It by Iggy on Student Radio Nitio Tokomenia, and we are Radio UF discussing today human trafficking. Yeah, and I will no now talk about some laws and perspectives from different countries and regions on human trafficking. So, as Singne was so nice to tell us before how people can fall into trafficking, we learned about those who are affected most by it. However, we also have to have in mind that there are different laws in countries and there are different institutions that are placed to help and prevent those who fall victims to trafficking. And as Melina said, trafficking happens all over the world, and in most cases there have been sanctions rather than prevention of sex trafficking and other related crimes. As for in Sweden, when trafficking is discovered, the blame is on the buyer and not on the victim. While in Russia it is, for example, legal to prostitute yourself as you will be charged with a fine, while those who buy sex go free. This is then pushing the responsibility onto those who sell sex and not those who buy it. Of course, this might be done in an preventions in the order to being able to buy sex, but charging the victim in the situation puts more pressure on an already vulnerable individual. So in both these cases, there are sanctions rather than preventions. And often when we talk about preventing trafficking, many different actors work with this. As for in Europe, we have the EU that has a political commitment to address the issue of trafficking. Their framework was constituted in 2011 and was the first ever to address the issue this broadly and intensive. 
Their main working areas are putting laws in place to prevent trafficking and making the prosecutions easier, convicting criminals and trafficking officials and training officials who might come in contact with trafficked women, and being able to detect them when similar patterns might occur, and also ensuring protection and support for the victims while having cooperation with civil society to see these victims and have the Uh, availability to ensure medical help and assistance for those who are saved. This then goes for all countries who are a member of the EU, which is a big foundation to both prevent and help those who are abducted and affected by trafficking. The UN also have an agenda to combat human trafficking, which is quite similar to the EU one, but this reaches much more countries as the EU is just for Europe while the UN is worldwide. And if we look at more specific regions, we can see that Latin America have countries that have taken great measures to fight trafficking and the exploitation of women. Guatemala has a court that is open 24-7 to always be able to process cases regarding violence against women, thus including trafficking. While Mexico has opted to reach out to the youth through education, so they will behave differently and have different attitudes towards trafficking than the elder generation had. And so overall in Latin America, they are monitoring the borders so victims can be detected and get help. North America has also taken measures to fight trafficking and they are working actively with many NGOs to control the problem. However, in the Middle East, measures are also being taken, yet they are not so successful, because only in 2018, 1,887 cases of trafficking were documented. The countries try to take measures, but sometimes, due to weak states, their bureaucratic ability fails, as there are some corrupt officials that are preventing the help to the victims. And in Asia, they have conducted documents that are fighting against trafficking, and they are also part of the UN one. Yet, as same for the Middle East, due to corrupt officials, the problem is still prominent. So, what we can see is that many measures are being taken to combat human trafficking and exploitation of women, yet corrupt states and corrupt officers are working against this, even if the overall attitude toward trafficking of women is negative, it is still important to consider that different attitudes are pointed at different women based on ethnicity, nationalism and age. Even if trafficking is an issue that mainly affects women, it is also still infected with racism. Thus, already existing attitudes towards women based in the patriarchal society can make it harder for both governments and NGOs in their work fighting trafficking. Yeah, I think it's so important that you mention like how stereotypes are like impacting trafficking so much and also like ideas of like femininity and masculinity and so on. But um I thought that, you know, if we're talking about trafficking, we should like focus a bit on Southeast Asia because it's one of like the hotspots for um sexual exploitation and I think people also associate this issue with like um the region and like sexual tourism and like for instance like thailand and so on so i thought it would be interesting to look at this context a bit more but we'll do that right after the break home, 
You just heard Fever Dream by Sunbrella on Student Radio Nitio Tokamania. We are Radio UF, and I will now talk a little more about the trafficking of brides from Myanmar's Kachin state to China and Yunnan more specifically, because I feel like it kind of illustrates all that we've been discussing so far. Also, this, um, this part is mostly based on reports by Human Rights Watch, that were informed by the research conducted by the American scholar Erin Kamler that I got to meet during my exchange semester in, in Thailand. So each year, traffickers, uh, through deceit or force, transport hundreds of women and girls from northern Myanmar to China and sell uh, these people to Chinese families struggling to find brides for their sons due to the country's uh, gender imbalance, a gender imbalance that is due, amongst others, to China's strict uh, one-child policy. Trafficking survivors usually say that trusted people, and in some cases their own relatives, promised them uh, work in China and then sold them for amounts that range from like $3,000 to $13,000 in general. So we can see two things here. Um, that's like oftentimes people are trafficked by people they know. It's not like obscure mafias far away somewhere. Or it can be, but oftentimes not. And we also see that human trafficking is a very lucrative business. Um, so what's interesting in, in this case of um, brides trafficking is that the buyers are often actually more interested in a baby than um, a bride. And the, the gruesome reality is that oftentimes women and girls are raped, formed, forced into pregnancy. Survivors recounted um, being locked in a room and being raped multiple times until they became pregnant and produced a child. In some instances, they could escape but only by leaving their child like behind. So it's really about reproductive labor here and the idea of like perpetuation of, of the family and women being perceived as reproductive machines in a sense and, you know, commodities that can be bought and sold. Another thing that I find really interesting uh, in this case is that it is happening in a conflict area um, and in a borderland. And both borderlands and conflict situation create a favorable environment for illicit economies in general uh, for them to flourish. It can be like drugs trade or, um, uh, you know, like illegal logging, like these kind of things. Because usually um, there's weak law enforcement in those regions. There's oftentimes also militias, like different armed groups um, that need corruption money to keep on keep on fighting um yeah so that's definitely like a, a favorable environment for all kinds of criminal activities to take place um another thing that i found super interesting is that in, in this case you know the women who managed to escape the chinese families and came back to myanmar then faced two phenomena, criminalization and stigma in their like um, uh, home societies or like home contexts. Um, so I'm quoting here Human Rights Watch reports that is stating that um, women who escaped and made it to the Chinese police were often, often jailed and deported while their traffickers and buyers remained free. 
there is little effective co coordination between police in Myanmar and in China. So yeah, well, um, we're talking about China here, but even when women um, manage to come back to Myanmar, um, yeah, sometimes, oftentimes it's difficult to find a job or, you know, just to go back to social life because of the, sig the stigma associated with what they went through and if they manage to bring their children with them to Myanmar, oftentimes the children are also, you know, seen as the product of shame or something. So it's also difficult for the next generation. Um, and finally, another point that I found really interesting is that oftentimes the support brought to survivors is um, is brought by NGOs first and foremost and not, not governments yet. So there is a lot to do <laughs> on those um, those issues, but we'll discuss that in a little while. You just heard Cooler Than Me by Lancy Fu on Student Radio Nitiotakomenia, where Radio F um, discussing today sexual exploitation. And I just wanted to mention something that really struck my attention while reading and I wonder what you girls think about that, is that oftentimes, apparently, women tend to go back to selling sex and prostitution after, um, you know, surviving sexual exploitation. And I really wonder why. Do you have any, any clues or have you read anything about that? Um, yeah, I have a point that maybe sometimes when women or girls have been sexually exploited, mm -hmm. that is the only reality they know, that is the only thing that they think that they deserve. Mm -hmm. So it can be like they are going back to something that in their like minds are safe, but still very unsafe, but that is something they know, that is something they are like mm -hmm. more common yeah. with. But it could also be that they are feeling so bad about themselves that they use yeah. that as self-harm, mm -hmm. that they are selling their body because they want to hurt themselves or feel like they only deserve this. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because like sometimes you hear people like talking about, oh, the girls only go back to selling sex because like they like it and they enjoy mm -hmm, it. But that's mm -hmm. like, what? No, what are you talking about? Yeah. It's like clearly a sign of like self-harm or like something yeah. that they feel like they they are not like worth anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like or like definitely I, I haven't read enough about the self-harm thing, but definitely about like loss, low self-esteem mm -hmm. and, and so on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. you're so right. And there are so many, like, like narratives about, like, and stereotypes about, like, oh, women in certain countries actually like that, blah, blah, blah. It's, yeah. 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 When I read about trans women and trafficking, that was mostly due to low self-esteem that they mm. sold yeah. their bodies for money and prostituted themselves because they already felt so bad about themselves. So they had a mindset of, what can I do to make it better when I already know how I can make it worse? Mm -hmm. or, yeah. And it's like also show how governments and like institutions are like lacking mm -hmm. capability of like picking these women up. Yeah. yeah. And like helping them. Yeah, absolutely. No, you're so right. But um, we'll be back. You just heard Porta by Sharon Van Etten on Student Radio Nityotokamania. That was Radio UF talking today about human trafficking and sexual exploitation more specifically. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. 
And next week, we'll be discussing oceans in collaboration with um, UF Uppsala's um, magazine called Utrecht. UF Uppsala is the Association of uh, Foreign Affairs. So we hope that you tune in next, next week. Bye-bye, everyone. Have a good night. Bye. Bye-bye. Until next time. Du har lyssnat på en podcast från Studentradio 98,9. Alla våra poddar och program hittar du på studentradion.com eller där poddar finns. Kom ihåg, att lyssna fritt är stort. Att lyssna rätt är större.